Luke chapter 4, verse 31 through to chapter 5, verse 11. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his message had authority. And in the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. And when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and, fill, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Thank you, Tim. <clears throat> you may want to, um, if you've got Bibles there, you may want to um, open up at uh, Luke chapter 4 because we're going to be uh, looking through uh, this uh, passage or these uh, few uh, scenes. Um, as you know, uh, in his gospel, Luke is writing a carefully investigated orderly account and I understand as a church you're looking through uh, this account. 
so that, Luke says, those reading may be able to know the certainty of the things that they've been taught. So today we consider three main scenes set in the religious Sabbath gathering of the synagogue, um, in a home amongst family in the Capernaum community, and at the workplace of the lake. And we join Jesus as he went down to a town. Uh, In this case, it was Capernaum in Galilee. Uh, Know this, that Jesus is still going downtown. I'm not going to break out into song at that point. Uh, He hasn't left our towns alone. Jesus cares about them. He cares about Horsham. He loves the people of Horsham and those of the surrounding villages and neighbouring towns. Yet today, he treads the earth through his people, through you and through me, uh, through the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We are his feet, his hands, and his good news is spread through us. And Luke is writing about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Of course, Jesus continues to do and to teach, but through his church, his plan A. Now, there's no plan B. Uh, You and I are plan A. Just take for a moment a, a good look at the people around you. Go on, have a look. You know, the church is the A-team. You know, you can have a look at one another and say, if you're part of the life of church, then you are part of the A-team. That was one of the uh, programs I used to watch as a youngster as well. I'm not trying to say we're quite like that. So we're going to have a look at these three scenes. Jesus in the religious gathering to begin with. Jesus had authority to teach, and he brought some amazing words and bringing transformation. On the Sabbath, Jesus taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. See, Jesus' words continue to have authority. May we be those through whom he speaks and shares his word. You see, before Jesus left his small gathering of followers, uh, those who worshipped him, those who doubted him. He commanded them to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, having been granted all authority on heaven and on earth, and he promised to be with them to the very end. As we gather this morning, we gather as a varied congregation, those with faith, those with doubts, happy or sad, under pressure or sailing along. If you are a follower of Christ and you have received him as saviour and as lord then you are part of church part of plan a if you've not yet received him as saviour then i plead with you do not delay for his words have authority he speaks words of life and light to each one of us open the scriptures Allow him to speak into your heart and your mind, to teach you and bring about the transformation in you and through you that he desires. So he has also authority to deliver powerful words, bringing freedom and purity. 
In our passage today, we read that not only does Jesus have authority to teach, uh, but he has authority to deliver uh, those who are possessed or oppressed. I think this is not a clear... Oh, there we go. Um, bringing freedom and purity. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. In the synagogue of all places. Isn't this where the good people are? Where the religious people are? Surely not there. Sadly, impurity is very much alive and well in our religious context today. Paul writes in his letter to Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Not one of us is without sin. Not one of us deserves the grace of God. Jesus, as you remember, said, those who are without sin cast the first stone. Jesus is the only sinless, spotless one, the Lamb of God. He was to take our sin, our shame, our suffering upon himself and grant us, in its place, his righteousness and release and peace and purity and healing and wholeness. Within our churches, we know that we are not perfect, you and I. Those who are oppressed and entangled, those who have succumbed to sin, but we hear God's words to us. We experience God's grace. And yet still, we opt for selfish indulgence, self-satisfying rebellion against our Creator, our Redeemer, our Lover. We chase after others. And yet they do not satisfy, and we know that. And the presence of the Holy One of God, in His presence, who can keep stuff hidden? Before him. So we come honestly and humbly before our God, living in his light, knowing his grace and forgiveness. And the response to holiness go away or embrace the cross. In this instance, the response or reaction to the holiness of God was go away. In fact, not a murmur or a mumble, but a cry at the top of his voice. And there are times when Jesus is told or asked or begs to leave. May we not be those who hear God's holy call upon our lives and cry out to him, leave me alone. Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What do you want with me, Jesus? Jesus, you ask too much of us. You ask too much of me. I can't leave my life of sin, my impure habits, my thoughts. And we may feel as though what he offers at first glance is worse. Self-sacrifice, dying to sin, leaving the old way behind. You see, sin and temptation is tantalizing. It's appealing, but it is deadly. And it corrupts and it spoils us. I want to call all here today, at the outset of a new year, just a couple of weeks in, 
to leave behind the entanglement of sin and run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. Do away with the old self. Leave it behind. Pick up our cross. We live the new creation in Christ. You can experience release and forgiveness in Christ. And for that man in the synagogue, Jesus had come to set the prisoner free. That demon within you, Jesus' power and his personhood, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. See, Christ's power in you, by his Spirit, is greater. Jesus has come to silence the enemy once and for all, to deliver those who are chained and encumbered. He demonstrates the care and compassion that he has for you. Jesus speaks sternly to his powerful enemy, bringing release and freedom and protection. Be quiet, he says. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all came out without injuring him. See, Jesus has the authority in his teaching and in his releasing over your and my life and the lives of those around and about us. So we, may we partner with him as he goes through us down into town, even into the religious gathering, to set people free. May there be amazement at what God can do in us and through us. Testimony, sharing and spreading that good news. You see, Jesus is not to be our best-kept secret. Jesus is not powerless. He has authority. And then we come to our next scene. In the home, the family, the community. Jesus is also working in these places amongst our nearest and dearest within our families. Jesus leaves the synagogue. He goes to Simon's home where his mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And the request is made for Jesus to help. See, may we present our requests to Jesus for his help and his healing. Let us not be those who think that we have to solve it or mend it or go it alone. See, Jesus is uh, willing to show us that he's, he's able to come down on our level to incline towards us. In verse 39, so he bent over her. You know the phrase in the Greek here means that he stood next to her, close by her side and over her. See, Jesus wants to come near, to not push him away. He inclines towards you. He comes alongside you, yet he remains sovereign over you. He made you, for a purpose. He allows things to happen for a purpose also. And Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. You see, there's no ordinary fever. It's a high fever. We might say life-threatening. Yet Simon, Simon's mother-in-law is so instantaneously and fully healed that she got up at once and began to wait on them. She was saved to serve. May our first reaction be an attitude 
of gratitude, leading to a willingness to serve. We're not saved in order to be selfish, but saved in order to be selfless. And this healing in the scriptures leads to a cascade of requests for healing from various kinds of sickness and deliverance and recognition and proclamation of Jesus' Messiahship and status as the Son of God. It seems that Simon's mother-in-law was one of those key people in her community at Capernaum. Perhaps the key to Capernaum. May we ask the Lord to lead us to be the keys uh, to, the, to the keys in our community, to the keys of, of Horsham, those whose transformation may unlock situations and release individuals and whole households and communities. And yet, these things happen even when it can seem to be too late. At sunset, as the sun was setting, you see, there's still opportunity in those times Even our sunset years can be used for the kingdom. Even in the midst of the darkness, the dark times that the night brings, it is never too late, never too dark. May we bring people to Jesus for his hands to be laid on. He has the authority in and over every situation and community, town and home, So may we allow him and the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom of God to spread to all peoples and areas. Jesus was sent to us and we are sent by him to others. And we discover in the midst of this is the place of prayer, that that place of power and of discernment. At daybreak we read Jesus went out to a solitary place So Jesus often went to solitary places in order to pray, to be alone with his Father. This was the place of power, the place of prayer. And the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. What a turnaround from being told at first to go away to now being prevented or attempted to prevent from leaving. But, you see, Jesus worked to his own agenda, his father's agenda. May we likewise be those who listen to God in prayer, discerning when to stay, when to go, what to say, what to do. May we be attentive to the mission of God to live according to his agenda, not succumb to the pressures of the crowds. Likewise, may we not be those who, as I've said before, try to keep Jesus to ourselves, but allow him and his message and his mission to thrive far and wide. See, Jesus has not stopped preaching his good news throughout our towns, our communities, our families. He continues through us, his church, plan A, remember? And then we come to the third scene Jesus in the workplace. And of course, all of these uh, points that I'm making can be made in the different places that they are. They're not reserved for these instances. But here is the third scene that Luke presents to us. Jumping ahead, we could say, in time a little bit. 
in scene three by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and we read how the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Of course, no better place to be, is there, than listening to the word of God, whether we're by ourselves or with others. And Jesus was not just there for the crowds, but also for the individuals, because we see that his sights are set on Simon uh, in this, his workplace. And it's as though we're looking through Jesus' own eyes. We read in verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. See, the fishermen are about their everyday uh, business, their everyday work. Uh, Jesus, of course, enters the sphere of the workplace as well as the, the home and the community as well as the religious gathering, the community of faith. Uh, wherever we are, wherever people are, Jesus has authority to go. And we read... Oh, it's gone. We can break out into song if you want. That's, uh, that's it. There we go. No, it's not letting me. Okay. We read how then Jesus uh, gets into one of the boats... Uh, the one belonging to, let's try it one more time. No. Unless you can cycle it through for me. We see how Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, uh, the one that we might say happened to belong to Simon. Was this random? Was this 50-50 choice? Was this uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, or was this deliberate? We may be asking the Lord, and this would be my next point if it comes up. No. There we go. Why my boat? Why get into my boat? Why me? Isn't someone else's boat bigger, bolder, better equipped? And Jesus, in verse 3, asks a simple thing of Simon to put out a little from shore. See, I said before, Jesus asks us to do what we can do. He doesn't ask us to do what we cannot do. And simple Simon, simple obedience. I identify a lot with simple Simon. In that natural amphitheatre of that boat a little out from shore, Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat, his voice carrying across the water to the crowd. See, the Lord uses our simple obedience to communicate his kingdom, his grace to the many. Do not think that your simple acts of obedience are wasted. No obedience is wasted. We are to hear and to obey. And then Jesus, having taught the crowds, now sets his sights on Simon. He's going to teach Simon a thing or two. He takes him from the shallow to the deep. And he says to Simon, put out into deep water. It may be that you here feel as though you are in deep water at this time. You may not, be feel, you may not feel too comfortable with the situations and circumstances that you presently find yourself in but we are to know the presence of Christ in the deep times as well as the shallow times. And yet Jesus is about catching uh, failures, 
is about revealing our excuses and uh, tackling our expertise. You see, for Simon, it wasn't so much the deep that gave him cause for concern. He was used to going into deep water. It was what Jesus was asking him to do. For he continues in verse 4, and let down the nets for a catch. This was the difficulty. Still simple obedience, let down your nets for the catch. He knew how to do that. We'll we'll leave the uh, PowerPoint for now. Um, Still simple obedience, let down your nets for the catch. He knew how to do that, but it was for the reason why, for a catch. You see, the catch was the catch for Simon. You can hear the hesitation, almost the consternation in Simon's reply. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all day and haven't caught anything. As the Beatles put it, it's been a hard day's night. You know, Jesus may ask you to do the difficult, simple, but not easy. Perhaps it's doing something that's previously failed to confront failure. And you may be at that point, Lord, do you know what you are asking of me? Do you know my situation? Are you aware? The disappointment, the discouragement, the tiredness, the sleeplessness. See, Jesus has asked Simon to put out a little from shore, but now he's taking him deeper. And it's the confrontation with his own limitations that elicits this response from Simon. Lord, do you know that I'm at the end of myself? That we're at the end of ourselves? We've failed in the past. You're asking me to to risk failing again in the future? You see, God uses failures time and time again. Scripture is full of failures. Anyway, it's the wrong time for catching fish. You do that at night, not in the day when they can see you coming. Every fisherman knows that. See, we may want to bring our reasons for not obeying, not responding to Jesus' clear and simple commands with our complaints or our excuses or our superior understanding, bringing our expertise to Jesus and telling him how it should be done, thinking we need to teach him a lesson. But here we are learning from Simon's response. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. But... Because you say so. It's one of my favourite phrases in the Bible. He begins with this, but we, like Simon, like to let the Lord know our limits. We know, though, that he calls us beyond them. And we come honestly before our Lord and telling him just as we are, but we know that he knows best. And our but becomes our because because you say so. So it's not about me or or us, it's about him. Because the Lord says so, we can do it. We meet him with what we have, our nets not fully washed, our tiredness, our disappointment, our failure, 
at the wrong time of day, overcoming the inconvenience, going against their expertise, prepared to do things his way, not ours. See, we know a thing or two, but he knows best. We come up with our good ideas, but we search for and respond to the God ideas. Because you say so. What is God saying to Brighton Road Baptist Church in these days? What is God saying to you at the beginning of 2019? So he calls you to go beyond the shallows and go into the deep place. Simple, yet difficult. And it's as we obey that God delivers. In verse 6, when they had done so, uh, the because uh, you say so and the I will let down the nets were all well and good, but they're not enough. See, it's not good enough to reason it through, even to agree that God's way is best, or to set ourselves and our will to obey. It has to actually be that we do the obedience. We get on with it. Obeying God's word is not just agreeing with it, or wanting to do it, or being willing to do it. It is actually doing it. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. You see, it may be that as we begin to obey, it seems to get worse. We may experience breaking points. But you see, Jesus continues to teach Simon to avoid self-reliance and embrace partnership in the gospel. They signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. We are in partnership with one another. We're not lone boats. Yes, Jesus got into one boat, but he had a purpose for the other. Remember, we saw through his own eyes. Do not think that you are the boat left on the shore, the one left behind, because the Lord has a purpose for you also. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Abundance comes from obedience. Yet we see in the midst of the blessing... We move from breaking point to that sinking feeling. It now seems we're sunk. God's abundance and his grace and his goodness is too much. Simon was sinking. And yet it was right where the Lord wanted Simon to be. Taking him deeper and deeper. Simon, son of Jonah, we read. His father's name, perhaps a reminder of Jonah the prophet, who sunk to the depths and yet found God's grace. And we read in verse 8 how when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Simon sinks to his knees. Oh, wait. No, let's read that again. Here, he is called Simon Peter. No longer just Simon, he's been called Simon all the way along, but here is something of the beginning of the transformation of the Simon into the Peter, the rock. He reaches rock bottom, and so begins the transformation. And and wait, there's another thing. Simon Peter fell at Jesus' knees. Not Peter's knees, but Jesus' knees. It's an interesting picture. Elsewhere, we read of people falling on their knees before Jesus or falling at Jesus' feet. But here, Simon falls at Jesus' knees. 
was this Simon kneeling on the, on the boat, head height, to Jesus' knees as Jesus stood? Or was Jesus on his knees with Simon laying before him? This deep place, this place of breaking, this place of sinking, this place of prayer, getting on our knees. Jesus, right there with us in prayer. And we hear Simon Peter cry out, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Go away, again, go away. Simon, his companions in his boat, his business partners in the other boat, all astonished at the catch of fish, yet Simon's astonishment gave way to fear, not the fear of sinking, but the fear of the Holy One who was before him. Who is this who has got into my boat? The Holy One of God, confronted with his own sin before the sinless one. Yet Jesus, full of compassion, allays Simon's fears and he opens up a new chapter in his life. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Simon is becoming Peter. God wants each one of us to go deeper. He wants to bring about change and transformation. May we each be willing. May we as church be willing. Let us not be those who tell the Lord to go away, but allow him to come near, to come alongside, to be over us. May we be those who recognise his authority in our community, in our church, in our family and our home, in our workplace, in our lives. And may we experience that release from that which entangles, a purifying, a being made holy, being saved in order to serve, leaving our old ways behind and commissioned to embody and share the good news. Amen.